Well, hey, Northside family, it's good to see you today. My name's Nate, if I hadn't had a chance to meet you. And would you welcome everybody tuning in on our live stream and in our video venue, want to welcome them. Let you know that we're glad we're tuning in. Uh, today's a big day. I love the series that we're in called Rooted uh, because the way forward with Christ is actually through our foundation. Uh, that we look into the deeper things of our life and we begin to reveal them to God and allow God to have them so he can grow us in him to look more like him than we do ourselves. And uh, last weekend, we looked at this question, how does God speak to us? You know, we want to hear from God, we want to talk with God, but sometimes we don't know how he really talks to us. And uh, the workbook that we have, if you haven't picked one up, you can get out at the Resource Center. It talked about how God speaks to us. And this last week in our life groups, we had an extended prayer time uh, where people in our groups, we got to spend a longer time praying for some people. Uh, maybe in this church you've never prayed that long before or talked with God. Uh, but what I found fascinating in our group was this. After we did the prayer experience, we came back and we talked about saying, hey, what did God say to you? What was God speaking to you? And what was fascinating in our group was this. Everybody came back and said, you know what? God was already speaking to me. He had already been saying stuff to me. I just needed to slow down and write down what he was already saying. And I went, this is a lot of the way that God speaks. God is already speaking to us. He already has things for us to hear. And the problem is sometimes we run so fast that it's not that God's not speaking. It's that we don't take time to actually hear what he has to say. And today is going to be one of those big topics that we're going to talk about. And I want to be open and honest with you. I'd love if we could just stay real academic and talk about suffering. And let's just talk some theory and some scriptures and some quotes. And I'll pray and we leave. But let me just tell you this. Everybody in this room, whether you're a follower of Jesus today or not, everyone in this room, we have experienced or we are experiencing suffering right now. That, that's one of the commonalities that we have. Whether you follow Jesus or not, every one of us, we have gone through hardship. We have faced tough times in our life, which is why we ask these big questions. Why do bad things what? Happen to who? Good people. God, why, why would bad things happen to good people? And I even ask questions like this. God, why do good things happen to bad people? Why are the New England Patriots back in the Super Bowl, God? <laughs> Church is where you get real, you know? You know, some of you are Saints fans and you're going, God, we should be in the Super Bowl. Right? We got robbed. This isn't fair. You know, what's fascinating is this. Whether you believe in God or not, every single one of us, isn't it funny? We believe in fairness and justice, don't we? Where does that come from? See, it's interesting. It's interesting that deep inside of us, we see things and we go, that ain't right. Well, who says it's right? And who says it's wrong? And who's the real authority on this? See, this is why we need to talk about these big things because, man, there are questions in our minds and things in our hearts that we go, God, this isn't right, but we don't have answers all the time and we don't know what to do about it. Matter of fact, this is where my heart was on Friday. Uh, one of my best friends in ministry, I did ministry with him in Illinois. Uh, his name is Drew Moore, and I got to surprise him. I got a picture of him. He's my buddy. I went out in October to surprise him. He took over for a church in Las Vegas. It was actually the church that we planted, uh, the church that we belonged to out in 1993 in Las Vegas. Uh, we planted this church called Canyon Ridge, and uh, what's phenomenal is he took over that church in October. I became the lead pastor here, and it's been so cool to journey together. Together. And Drew is one of those, he's a man's man. 
He's a tough dude. Matter of fact, this summer, he's an outdoorsman. He hiked a 200-mile trail through Yosemite. I'm like, not me, man. Like, that's for you, dude. That's for you. But what was phenomenal is that, man, he is this outdoorsman, 200-mile hike, all these great things. And on Friday, I was praying for him because a couple months ago, you know, here he is, he's in great shape. He walked up a flight of stairs and got out of breath. He's, 40, he's only 40 years old, got four kids, vibrant. He goes, man, something doesn't feel right. Something doesn't feel right. Goes to the doctor. One artery, 100% clogged. Other one, 95% clogged. And on Friday, 40 years old, had double heart bypass surgery. And I asked God in those moments, God, we're trying to bring the kingdom in the darkest place on earth in Las Vegas. If there ought to be anywhere where you protect your pastors, right? Let us suffer back here. Everybody kind of knows Jesus back here. Man, protect those pastors in Vegas, God. And that's not how it always plays out. And on Friday, let me just be honest where I'm at. Just kind of confused. I mean, I'm reading over this and I'm hearing these scriptures. And so I can give you academic answers today. But you know what? We're, we're going to look at the truth of God. But I'm going to ask you to be very real today with God. That, that you and I would, would kind of, if we carry a mask in here today, that we would be able to take that off. Because if I ask you today after service, hey man, how you doing? What do we say? We're doing good. You know what I want to start doing to you? Liar, right? <laughs> like Princess Bride, you know, the lady that comes out, liar. Because <laughs> if I could really sit down, if you really pulled up a chair right now and you and I just sat here and talk, there'd be some things in your life right now that really aren't all right. And it doesn't mean they're devastating like Drew having heart surgery. But this is just my hunch. That there's some things in your life right now you're going, they're, they're not all right. They're not all right. Which we begin to ask the question, where is God in all of this? You see, sometimes we make the mistake and we begin to think that God created the world broken with suffering at the very beginning. And we forget what it says in Genesis 1 verse 31 that after God created the earth, it said after he created all of it, he said God saw all that he made and it was very good. That actually creation and life doesn't begin with us, it begins with God and it began perfect. It had no sin. There was no suffering going on. This is why it feels so hard for us in this life that even when we become a Christian, there's still suffering. And we go, this doesn't feel right. And God goes, I know because this is not the way I created it. I didn't create it, I didn't create it with death and suffering and cancer in the world. That's not the way I created it. But sin came in because the way that God created it, he goes, I'm in control of all things, but I'm creating a world that I'm allowing you to choose me. I'm allowing you to come after me. I have created this. I want you to follow me. I will be your God. You will be my people, but I'm not going to force this on you. You're going to have to choose me. And what do Adam and Eve do? They don't choose him. And they have this suffering that comes in to the world. See, I'm going to get to the question here in a second when we ask, where is God in our suffering? But I just want to take a moment. I think we need to understand even what suffering is. Because sometimes we don't even understand what suffering is or that we're even suffering in this world. We, we don't even know it. Today you might be suffering, you don't even know it. You just go, no, that's life. Well, hang on. You actually might be in deep suffering. One of the, literally, the, the Latin, you know, suffering comes from this Latin phrase that literally just simply means this, to bear under. 
That's what suffering is that you and I, when things aren't right in our life, we are bearing under this suffering. This is why we say phrases like this. How are you doing with that, with whatever scenario in your life? You go, man, I can't bear it. I can't stomach it. I can't stand it. It's too much. This is why when Cain killed his brother Abel, these are Adam and Eve's sons, when, when Cain lied to Abel and he killed him out in a field and God has to confront him and he tells him his consequence, this is Cain's reply to God. He says, my punishment is more than I can what? Bear. I can't bear this. This is too much for me. See, this is what suffering is in this world. Suffering is this thing that we go, we feel like going, God, I, I wasn't made for this. I can't handle this. This is too much for me. And I, I want you to know, guys, this is what we have in common. That all of us have experienced this moment. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's other stuff down. We're going to talk about it in a second where we can't bear it. This is why Paul writes to the church in Rome. Because I don't know if you know about this, but the first century Rome, the first Christians, they got baptized and then a lot of them got killed for being Christians. Because what they said was this, Caesar isn't Lord. The government isn't my hope. My hope isn't in a political party. My hope isn't anything else. My hope is in Jesus. And the way that Rome kept the peace was this. Either you're for us or you're what? Against us. And if you're against us, you die. And the Christians were caught and they sent, well, Jesus is our Savior. They said, very well, feed him to the lions. And listen what Paul writes to the church in Rome who was experiencing this. He writes to him and he says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. He knows things aren't right in this world. You don't have to be a Christian to acknowledge that, to go, hey, I might not believe in God, but I know this, things ain't right. Things are not right. Paul says the whole creation is groaning. Not only so, but he says, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, meaning those of us in Jesus, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. What Paul is trying to say is this, just because you become a Christian doesn't mean you don't go through suffering. See, sometimes we have this misunderstanding that when you become a Christian, all of your problems go away. And when you become a Christian, and sometimes problems can escalate, and you go, where are you now, God? See, this is why we got to understand Scripture. I was talking to my wife about this with suffering, because we've gone through a lot of things in our life that we've had to suffer, that we've had to go through. Not because God was punishing us, but because these things happen in life. One of her favorite books is this book called The Broken Way by Ann Voskamp. She gave me this quote about suffering that I think really gets to the root issue deep down in us when we're facing suffering in our life. Listen to what it says. This is how Ann Voskamp puts it. She says, suffering asks us to bear under that which is ultimately not under our control, which proves to us we have no control. And maybe that's too much for us in our autonomous, do-it-yourself culture to bear. Maybe more than we can't stand physical suffering, we can't stand not feeling in control. Deep down behind suffering, it's not just that you and I go through hardship. One of the hardest things is when we're going through suffering and, and it feels like we can't do anything about it. And we feel like it's out of control. And so we ask this question, God, where are you? 
in our suffering because we go, man, I feel like I'm out of control. And if I'm out of control and you're supposed to be in control, what's happening? I just want to talk a little bit right now. Where does suffering come from? Because we want to get this straight. One, I want to let you know is this. God does not cause suffering to happen. And you go, we'll prove that. This is what's fascinating. All through the Old Testament, God is saying to his people, Israel, I am your father. I will be your God. You will be my people. All you have to do is this. Give me control. That's the invitation of Jesus. Come follow me means this, to come and give me control of your life. Allow me to lead you. That's our big tension with Jesus. Jesus, I love the grace that you offer. But to make you the Lord of my life means I have to give you control of my life. We'll want his grace, but a lot of times we don't want his lordship. And the problem with Israel was this. They had this God who said, God, I, God is saying, I will provide. You just trust me. You give me control. And you read the Old Testament and over and over again. Here's what Israel does. They give God control, then they take it back. They give God control, then they take it back. We do that a lot, right? God gives you a new job. Thank you, God. And now I'll take it from here. God, thank you for the spouse. I've got it. That's what I wanted. Thank you. And I feel like I'm good. And God goes, that's not the way it works. As a matter of fact, God being a good father, Israel continued to take control, to take control till they wrecked themselves. There's a book called Lamentations that is literally devoted to the lamenting of the fact that they continued to take control back to God and they've ruined themselves. And listen to what it says in Lamentations 3, verse 33. It talks about who God is in the midst of our suffering and in the midst of their suffering. And listen to what it says, Lamentations 3, verse 33. It says, for he, talking about God, does not willingly bring affliction or grief to the children of men. God is not running around going, boy, I can't wait to pay them back. That's not his heart. That's not what he's after. God is in control. God is over everything. But the way he has made the world is said this, I am in control. I will have the final say. But the way I've made the world is this, I'm allowing you to give me control of your life because that's what love does, isn't it? I mean, love says I get to choose you. This is what makes love so meaningful. This is what makes love so powerful is that we can choose to give that and we can choose to reject it. Israel chose to reject God. So if God is not running around trying to cause all this pain and suffering on us, what causes pain and suffering in this world? I want to give us just four things that we find in Scripture. First one is this, and we skip over this, and this is probably one of the biggest things. It's our own sin. It's our own sin that causes a lot of pain and suffering in our world. I joked with you all a couple weeks ago. I was leaving here the other night, ran my car into the light pole over here. You know, my first words, really, God? He's like, what? You're driving. Like, what? why are you looking to me, man? He's like, go get some glasses. You couldn't see that light pole, right? But that's what happens. A lot of times we bring our own suffering onto our life and then we go, what are you doing? What are you doing? I remember one time, probably the most embarrassing moment with my parents. I think it was about my freshman or sophomore year of high school. And uh, I was just making a lot of bad decisions. Still going to church, making bad decisions. So you can still come here and make bad decisions, all right? Just because you're at church doesn't mean you're giving Jesus control. We know, all right? You know, and, and, uh, and that was what I was doing. I was still going to church, but God didn't have control of my life. I had control. I made a lot of bad decisions. 
And then finally, I got found out by my parents. And I remember that meeting, that confrontation in the living room. And I had to sit down with them and face the pain of my decisions. And in that moment, it was, I mean, I, I, I hadn't cried like that maybe my whole life. And I just wept bitterly over the decisions that I had made in my life because they were painful. Now they were causing pain to them. There's a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. Listen to what it says. It says, godly sorrow. Those moments when you go, oh God, what have I done? What have I done? They said, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. In that moment with my parents, what was so fascinating was this. Here I am, I'm weeping bitterly in front of them, so embarrassed, having to confess all the dumb decisions I've made in my life. And you know what my parents did? Oh, there was consequences and I was grounded and all this other stuff was going on. But they just simply spoke the word of God over me. And I left that meeting with them, one embarrassed. Oh, there was consequences. But for some reason, I left free. I left free. Because what had happened in that moment was I was willing to let God be back in control. This is what Paul is saying. When we allow God, when we come to that point of going, God, I've made a bunch of dumb decisions. I've done all these things wrong. And we allow him to take control. What he's going is good. This is good because it leads to salvation and it leads to no regrets. And here's the problem for those of you here today that you haven't given control to God. Here's what happens. The only thing you can do with the bad decisions that you make in your life is just feel guilty. And this is why Paul says worldly sorrow brings death. Sometimes that means physically, but a lot of times it's emotionally. Where you're here today and it feels like hell on earth because of the decisions you've made. See, that's why we give God control. God is saying, I'm not here for you just to experience hell on earth. In the middle of your suffering, in the middle of your bad decisions, Nate, that you've made, I want to free you, but Nate, you've got to give me control. Nate, you got to allow me to lead into your life. See, a lot of our biggest problems, a lot of our biggest suffering just comes from our own sin. But it's not just our own sin. You know what the problem was for my parents that day? I caused them a bunch of suffering. My dumb decisions didn't just stay to me, do they? See, that's kind of the problem in this world, isn't it? Don't we wish that people's dumb decisions only impacted them? And it didn't impact anybody else. See, that's not the way it works. See, part of this whole thing of giving God control is this, because our decisions impact other people. Other people's sin impacts us, and it causes us to suffer. It causes us to go through difficult times because of what other people have done. A third way that we see in Scripture is this. Satan loves to attack. He loves to tempt. We're going to talk about next week that we have an enemy. And so what do we do with this enemy? Jesus was attacked by Satan. Satan was trying to come after him. John 10, 10, Jesus says this. He wants you and I to know, hey, you need to know who and what Satan is. Satan has come to kill. He has come to steal from people and he has come to destroy. He's come to destroy your marriage. He's come to destroy your life. He's come to try to destroy the church. 
He wants to destroy any unity. He, that is who he is, and he will attack, and he will cause suffering. He goes, you've got to understand what he's trying to do. We got to understand suffering comes from that. It comes from temptation, from giving into this. And the fourth and final thing is this that we got to be aware of. Here's where suffering comes from. We've got to understand that we live in a fallen world. We are in a broken world. And I'm telling you right now, no amount of money will fix this place. There's no amount of money that fixes these things. We are in a broken world. Sometimes we don't realize how broken it is until we come face to face with it, don't we? We might not even realize. I remember for me, one of the, one of the times, not just in youthfulness, but a, a couple years ago, uh, my wife and I, after our first uh, kid, Lily, we want to have another kid, only to come out, uh, find out within a six-month period we would miscarry twice. And I remember sitting there in the doctor's office talking with the doctor because we want to know why, don't we? Why does this happen? Why God also said, and I just, I just asked her, great Christian doctor, godly woman, and this is what she said. She said, Nate, you need to understand, even though we have all this technology, even though we have all this, you need to understand, we do not know why this happens. This is why we need to understand who God is and allow his word to speak to us loudly. Because he's not afraid of our questions, but here's what I found. The more I study about why do, God, why do bad things happen to good people and where is God in this, this is what God has been telling me over and over again, Nate. He's going, Nate, it's not just why, you need to know where I am. In the Old Testament, one of my favorite passages, and I preach this at every funeral, is Psalm 34, 18, where it says this, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirits. God, why is this happening right now? Nate, I am near to the brokenhearted, and I save those who are crushed in spirit. This is what God is telling me, and this is what he's saying to us. Ultimately, the answer is not an explanation, but it's the incarnation. It's God giving himself to us in the midst of our suffering. This is Jesus. We want to ask why, and God goes, no, I want to let you know where I am. I am with you. I have come after you. You. This is what all of the Old Testament points to. Everything is pointing that Jesus is coming to be here with us in our suffering. And I know for a lot of us, we go, man, that's not the answer I want. And God goes, I know, but it's the answer that you need. In the middle of your suffering, what you and I need most of all is Jesus. This is why God speaks to John in Revelation chapter 21. This is, listen what he says. John is in the middle of his suffering. Actually, this was one of Jesus' best friends. He gets exiled to an island, gets totally separated from all of the church, and God still speaks to him, and he's still with him in the middle of his suffering. And listen what he tells him. This is why Revelation, this is how the Revelation closes, chapter 21 and going into 22. This is what he says. John writes down, he said, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God he will wipe every tear from their eyes there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away God is speaking into John to saying John this isn't going to be the way it is forever that God is at work, he is with us, and there is one day coming when Christ returns that every tear will be wiped away and there will be no more pain, there will be no more heart conditions, there will be no more negative pregnancy test, 
There will be no more motionless sonograms. There will be no more tables for one when it used to be a table for two. There will be no more addiction. There will be more, no, no more tears. There will be no more living with the pain of the past because God is saying, I am making all things new, that the old order of things will be passing away. And I am looking forward and groaning forward to that day, aren't you? Where I'm going, God, thank you that there's a hope that this suffering I am in right now will not be the end. But how do we move forward? Because we can't just say, well, one day, maybe, who knows? No, God is saying, I'm doing a work right now in the middle of your pain and your suffering. And what we're going to do right now is we're going to talk about how we move forward. And I want to invite our care pastor, Tom Gilbert, who helps people move forward and is helping us as a church to move forward in the middle of our pain and suffering. And would you welcome Tom to the stage right now, my man? Hey, brother. Thanks, brother. Tom and Jess, his wife, and his boys, Isaiah and Zeke, moved here from Illinois. And uh, Tom is our care pastor, does a phenomenal job here. And what we want to do today is we just want to give you three things about how we can move forward in the midst of our pain and our suffering. And the first thing is this. We want to be very upfront and honest with you guys. This is how we move forward. It is okay to not be okay. It is okay to not be okay. I'll run into some of you at Meyer, and some of you go, hey, Nate, good to see you, good to see you. And then you'll do this, sorry I missed last week, right? You know, and there's this, you know, there's that guilty. And I'm like, well, we were taking roll call and we weren't, you know. Yeah. No, but we feel really bad about some things. And there's those times that we come into church and we feel like everything has to be okay. And we want to let you know today, it is okay to not be okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I appreciate that. I think the most important thing is that we give ourselves permission to be hurting, to be broken, to be right where we are, to be present in the moment, in the reality. And if there's any place that it's okay to not be okay, it's church. Yep. You know, you're here with your family. You're here with people that, that you're sharing an eternity with, and we want to be there for each other. And um, one of the things I love about Northside Church is, is our um, emphasis on life groups and doing life together and being together. Uh, it's awesome that we meet here every Sunday together, but really getting into the nitty-gritty of life and life groups and that intimacy that builds. And I, I've always been told that it wasn't raining when Noah built the ark, and it's a good, good thing to remember that we're building for that time when we're going to need each other. Yeah. Um, I know that it's really important to me to be able to walk in a room, and I may be suffering to the point that I can't, I can't put my suffering in words. But you know me, and you see the look on my face, and you say, you know, Tom, what's going on? What's going on, man? It looks like you're hurting. Do you want to talk? Do you need some prayer? Do you want me just to, to be here with you? And we, we build that through our relationships with people, with our brothers and sisters. And the other thing that we have that I really want to make people aware of, if you're not, is that we have groups for those um, that type of suffering that we share in with other people. We have Celebrate Recovery. That's for anybody that's struggling with a hurt habit or hang-up, with recovery, with, um, with addictions, with things that you just have wanted to give to the Lord but have struggled with. We've got Grief Share. If you've lost a loved one, um, doesn't matter whether it was yesterday or five years ago, if, if you're having trouble surrendering that and putting that down, that we can walk you through that process. That we have um, divorce care and we have uh, cancer support. So sometimes there's those things where we just need to be in a room where we identify with people. Uh, we know that they have hurt the way we hurt. And if they're not in it now, they've been through it. 
and just connecting with those folks. I love one of the uh, one of the teachings in Grief Share. If you get into it, because anytime we suffer, this is at least the way I work. Uh, I just want to get over it. Like this year, I lost my grandpa, and I'm like, okay, God, heal me from that. Let's get over it. And uh, that's not how we get over things. And I remember uh, one of the teachings I got from Grief Share was this. It's not that we'll just get over it. It's that God will help get us through it. Right. That's a different way of living. Right. right. Yeah, and, and I know it's my tendency, too, that, you know, is there a way to squeeze under or around, yeah. you know, but, but really walking through and going through. And um, grieving, like anything else, is a process. And um, there's a, I, I want to give you a word to remember. You might want to write this down, the word DABDA, and it stands for Denial, Anger, Bargaining, um, Depression, and Acceptance. And a lot of times we're going through those phases of grieving and don't even realize that that's what's happening. Um, and we've all been there. You know, I, I go to the doctor and I have to have some tests done and the doctor comes in the room and he says, hey, you know, I, I found a spot on your lung. And my first reaction, right, is must be somebody else's test results. Those can't be mine. I'm healthy. I've been running around. You know, you mentioned your friend. I'm sure that was, yeah. you know, it can't be me. I'm a healthy person. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then that anger moves in, you know, uh, why me? I, I go to church, I pray, I try to be a good husband and father. And, you know, anger is not wrong. The Lord tells us, do not sin in our anger. He doesn't say, don't be angry. And so part of processing through that anger, again, is having those people in those places where it's safe for me to say, you know, I'm angry right now. And then we might bargain. We might say, um, Maybe if I did go to church some more or I prayed some more or I'll just change my eating or, you know, if I do, maybe if I'm just a little healthier, this won't be true and this will go away. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, as sort of the weight of our condition, we get into that depression. And a lot of times we want to judge depression as negative, but as a part of the grieving process, it's normal and it's good. And if we're lucky, then we can merge on the other side into acceptance. And I tell people, you can't rush this. Sometimes grieving can take up to two years. We don't stay in one and move neatly to the next. I might go into bargaining and get angry again, but eventually I'll come out to that victory if I'm in this with the Lord. If I'm suffering with Christ, I'm going to come to that acceptance. And then people will say, well, what does that look like? How do I know I got into acceptance? Yeah. You know you're in acceptance when you're in that surrender position, when you're ready for the Lord to take you on to the next thing. How can my story benefit someone else? Yeah. How can I allow God to use this in my life? And I call that surrendering to win. Yeah. I yeah. love it. I love the surrender to win because it sounds like, it actually sounds backwards. <laughs> like, right, if you surrender, right. you lose. But this is what Paul is writing to the church in Romans. He says in Romans 5, he says, not only so, he said, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. I'm like, man, I don't like that. You know, I don't, I'm not really <laughs> right. in the mood to rejoice. But he says, but here's why we rejoice. It's not like we act like it's not a big deal. He said, rejoice in our sufferings because we know that our suffering mm -hmm. produces perseverance. Right. Perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. And I think that is so important for us to understand that the surrendering, the allowing of God to take control in the midst of our suffering because God's not going to waste it. That's right. He's wanting to do That's something right. um, more than what we can think of in our suffering. And this is why we want to give you guys this because God is saying, I want you to help come along other people who are suffering. This right. is what it means to be the church, right. uh, that we suffer and we go through hard things and we go through this together, which is the, the third thing we want you guys to know is this. 
Biblically, this is how we get through suffering, is that we carry each other's burdens. I think that's really important. You know, we're, we're just made to need other people. We're made to need each other. We're made yeah. to be interdependent. And one of, one of what we look to is the Lord, that the Lord exists in community, that he, we are made in his likeness. So we are, we are made to be in community. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the only things he ever looked at and said it wasn't good is that man was alone. Yeah. And so we know right from the beginning, right from the creation story, that we're to do this together, yeah. um, that we're to carry our burdens with one another. And, and, and we know that we, you know, the Lord says to take on his yoke just as we're helping to take on each other's and that we walk that way together. And I know that it, uh, sometimes we feel bad sharing that with somebody. We feel like we have to carry right. this uh, by ourselves. This is the only way through it. Galatians 6, 2 says this. It says, carry each other's burdens and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ, which means this. God is saying it's not just that we accept Christ. He's going, I want you to help be the church and come alongside and help other people carry their burden. Uh, I remember uh, I was a freshman in high school out in Las Vegas. I was at a buddy's house playing pool. I uh, got a phone call that my great-grandpa died back here in Scottsburg. And I remember walking back into the room. My buddies were in there. We're playing pool. And I'm just dejected. And uh, my buddy said, man, what's going on? I said, I just got news that my great-grandpa died, you know, and I'm 2,000 miles away. You're kind of just reveling in that. And one of our friends in the room said, well, I didn't even have a great-grandpa. And I'm like, well, it's because you don't deserve one, you know. And, uh, you know, it, in those months, and I know what he was saying. What he was saying is, be thankful you had one. Right. I didn't have a great-grandpa. But in that moment, I'm like, you're not carrying the burden, man. Right. Uh, you're yeah. not, you know, tell us what do we need to be careful what we need to say and what we need to not say yeah. Yeah. Uh, when yeah. we're carrying other people's burdens. And, and, I wanna, and that's another permission I want to give is that as you are navigating how do I help carry my brothers and sisters' burdens, that it's okay to not know what to say. And it's also okay to be uncomfortable. You know, um, one of the things that I do is I counsel people. And even so, I've done this many, many, many times, and there are still times when I'm very uncomfortable because I don't, I don't have the right thing to say. I don't have something to fix it. But you know what? It's just important for me to just be there, to be present, to be, to be with them, and to not have to have that right thing to say. Mm-hmm. Often, they don't, they don't want your advice. They don't necessarily want you to heal them. They know their healing comes from the Lord, but they just need to not be alone. They just need you to be there with them. And, and in addition to that is sort of, you know, you can always ask. Instead of telling, why don't we ask? Why don't we say, what do you need? Do you need advice? Do you need me to be silent and be here? Maybe you even need me to go away. Maybe this is a moment that you want to be alone and I can be over here. And when you need me, you can tell me and I can come back and be with you. But just being sensitive to we don't all suffer the same. We're not always looking to be cured Sometimes I just need you to be there with me. I, w- I, I, I love this saying, it's not mine, and, and I heard someone say it, and I loved it. They said, you know, we tell everybody, don't just sit there, do something. They said, well, sometimes it's don't just do something, sit there. Sometimes we just need to sit, and we yeah. just need to be there. And, and, you know, I'm so happy to be a part of Northside Christian Church that we were called here. It's such a loving place, and um, I'm just looking forward to seeing what the Lord's going to do and uh, how cool. we're going to be carrying each other's burdens. Let's thank Tom for sharing some wisdom Thanks, today brother. with us. Thanks, man. Appreciate Thanks, you, buddy. Man. Thank you. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Well, it's a joy to be the church together. And uh, I want to invite our volunteers to go back, get ready to serve communion.
And uh, I appreciate you guys being willing to dive into such a hard topic uh, because a lot of times we don't want to be real or we've, uh, we've kind of pushed these things to the back of our minds uh, because it's painful. It's painful to have to face the suffering in our life. It's painful to have to face the reality of some of maybe the decisions we've made in our life and that really the suffering that we're experiencing, it's our own. And I just want to read this from Jesus. Uh, this is uh, when he was on the cross experiencing all of the pain and all of the su greater suffering than anybody else will ever know because he experienced what we couldn't bear, the suffering of all of the brokenness in the world. He took on himself on the cross. And, and there's just this little sentence that, that is listed in Mark chapter 15, verse 23, that gives us great insight as we're about ready to go into the time of communion where we remember what he did. And listen to what it said. This is just a small little tidbit. But in Mark chapter 15, verse 23, this is what it said. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And this is Jesus on the cross. And let me give you the context of this. What they would do is this. The crucifixion was so painful. What they would do a lot of times is to those people who were suffering on the cross, they would give them this wine mixed with myrrh because it would numb the pain. It would numb the suffering. Let me read this again. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. You know why he didn't take it? Because he came to take on our suffering. What do we do a lot of the times when we're suffering? We numb it, don't we? We numb it in the pain of shopping therapy, right? We numb it, things that are legal, illegal, but we're numbing it because we don't know how to deal with it. And Jesus, in the most excruciating moment known to man on the cross, has the opportunity to numb his pain. And he says, nope. Because I came to take on what you can't control. Where's God in the midst of our suffering? He's on the cross, taking it on the weight of our sin, the weight of the destruction in this world, Jesus takes it on himself. And it crushes him so that we don't have to be crushed. And God raises him from the dead so that we can experience victory through him. Have you given control to God today? See, God's saying, you don't have to suffer through this. I know this world might hurt. I know there might be hard things, but I want you to give me control. Here's what I want us to do before we take communion. I just want to invite you to bow your heads with me. And I just want to give us a moment real quick. And maybe you've been fighting today and for a long time, 
you've been trying to take control of everything, you've been trying to hold everything together, and it, man, it just seems like it's making it worse. And I just want to give you a moment right now that if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, like Tom said, we surrender to win. If you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never given him control, maybe control of your decisions, control of your life, and you're going, today is the day. I need to give him control. Just simply right where you are, I just want you to raise your hand. Just simply say today, God, I give you control. I can't control it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And we want to do something special right now. Just because you might become a follower of Jesus doesn't mean you don't encounter suffering and pain in your life. And we want to take a moment before we take communion, before we take the bread and the juice. And I just want to give you a moment right now. If you're just suffering, man, if there is hardship going on in your life, I'm going to pray for you. But this is what I want you to do. Just right where you are, would you stand? Just right where you are. It doesn't matter if it's your suffering from your own decisions or maybe it's decisions of others. But man, you're just feeling a weight today. Here's what I want you to do. If, if you feel comfortable for those sitting around, those folks who are standing, would you just put a hand on them? If you see them, would you just kind of let them know, hey, you're not alone. You're not alone. See, it's okay to not be okay. That's why Jesus came. Let me pray for you guys. Father, today in this moment, in this room, we give you control. Because Jesus, your word is true that in you, all things hold together. God, right now, the things in our life that we can't hold together, we give to you. Jesus, thank you for being big enough. Thank you for being faithful enough. Thank you for completing your work on the cross. And thank you that you gave us the church that we get to go through life together, that we get to minister to one another, that we get to lift each other up. But Jesus, we lift one another up because we have you and your work on the cross for us. May we be mindful and may we celebrate and may we rejoice in our sufferings, not because they're easy, but because we simply have you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.